most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of What Most People Think. God save our junk food, long live our Mackie D's. They're coming, they're coming for the junk food, aren't they? You know, long live those shish kebabs, cheesy chips and pissy flaps. That was so childish. Oh man, I just didn't have an out for that joke, so I just went with pissy flaps because it, it rhymed with shish kebabs. But anyway, how are you? How has your, how has your week been? How was your week, Peter? I just got so, you know, there's a few things I've got to uh, come back to people on. Obviously, last week we had the interview with Marcus Brigstock, which got a lot of reactions, overwhelmingly positive. You know, we'll, we'll deal with those uh, in the letters pages. But I also got having mentioned face masks again. I got pushed back on people telling me off, really, saying like, "Jeff, I normally agree with you on stuff, but uh, what? Just wear the mask." I'm like, I am wearing the fucking mask. You know, that's the whole point, isn't it? That's the point I'm making. Is why can't I just Wear the mask and bitch about it. I'm wearing the mask with it steaming up my fucking glasses and making me making me paranoid about my breath. Yeah, that's been great. I'm loving it. I'm loving taking my four year old son into the into the co op looking like a pirate. You know what I mean? Like it's great. Yeah, I'm just gonna switch now. I'm gonna be like so pro mask, like everything at the moment. You can't just have a nuanced view of it. I just I think it's so great. I, I can't. I, I want to wear a whole face. I want to wear like a full body burka. Is what I want to wear. Um, just welcome a few uh, new £10 patrons. We had Barry Gascoigne and Andy Swan. They edited up their pledge after the Marcus Brigstock episode. Yeah? How about that? And then Pete Schneider, who just sounds like a cop, doesn't he? Schneider, get in my office! Uh, Roy Sch- I'm thinking Roy Schneider. No, but he, he was he a cop? He was the one in Jaws, wasn't he? We're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, big shout going out to Bird and Phil as well. Um, let's do let's do the cuss count from David Domain. So this is from an episode with Marcus in. Wow, I'm, wow, this was a lot, a lot of swears, a lot of swears. Uh, we have one ass, four arseholes, ten fucks, one fucks, one fucker, twenty four fuckings. I think that's actually a record. One piss, one pissing, one prick, one shit, one shitting, and a twat out on its own, um, which is the best place for a twat. Uh, Marcus, Marcus, just a good boy. He managed just a pissy and a fuck. Um, David also said, "Ask for new swear words." He said, "Well, I'd like to revive fuckwit and shit for brains. You hardly hear those anymore." Um, yeah, I think shit for brains is a good one. Dipshit as well. Someone was trying to troll me online uh, this week, and I used dipshit. I was pretty proud of myself. But uh, yeah, as I say, going back to the episode, Marcus, we are going to talk about that uh, in the letters section. Um, just a thank you. So, oh, by the way, teasing what's coming up um, in this show, we've, we're going to talk about. Obesity. Uh, we're going to talk about anti-Semitism first, though, because um, well, there was that Wiley outburst. But we'll we'll get into that, and then we'll do the letters, maybe even a bit of men's uh, mental health. But before we get into all that, just a quick thank you and a fuck you. Uh, thank you to Test Cricket, Test Cricket, which that little series against West Indies was. It's just come back better than football has. I think Test Cricket. I just watched the football. I just don't think it translates without crowds. Whereas Test Cricket, they. Day fives have always had very little in the way of crowds, and it was it was good cricket. And Stuart Broad, I got I got to tell you about my friend, right, Austin. Now, in two thousand eleven, if you're in, in a group of lads or you're in a WhatsApp group, you'll know how what, what a joy a long running gag can bring. So in two thousand eleven, England were playing India. Stuart Broad had gone off the boil a little bit, 
and my mate Austin um, suggested that he should be dropped. And then within a, an hour, I think Stuart Broad took a hat trick. <laughs> and there started a process of maybe nine years of whenever, whenever Stuart Broad has done something good, we've all flagged it with him and all said, I can't believe you doubted him. And we've just got so much joy out of this. And then obviously in this test match, Stuart Broad uh, went to 500 wickets and we were, we were on Austin again, just saying, you know, how awful it would have been to be somebody that ever doubted him, you know, and how much more you joy you could take out of his 500 wicket, having been someone that invested in him uh, his whole career. So big shout going out to Test Cricket and to Austin for giving us that nine years. Okay, uh, the fuck you. And the fuck you is a surprise one. It's to the bloody Tories, man. Eh? I'm going to be like one of these uh, lefties now. Yeah, the fucking Tories, yeah. Because uh, they screwed up my holiday to Ibiza. I was supposed to be going to Ibiza in the middle of August. And uh, look, it might still change, but uh, as things stand, I'm not going. I can't I can't see a book anywhere in the UK either. Nothing. You know, people talk about staycations being, being one where you just don't go out of the country. No, the, oh, I'm going to be doing a proper staycation. I'm going to be doing what my mum would call windowsill bay. Um, but... You know, I thought a lot of things might test my relationship with the Conservatives, right? You know, maybe it'd be Brexit, maybe it'd be, you know, arguably Windrush. But uh, yeah, it turns out it was uh, screwing up my holiday to Ibiza. So Maggie, 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 out, out, out. It feels good, doesn't it? This is where, this is where you lefties get it from, doesn't it? I feel, feel like a good person for saying this. Um, and also, fuck you to EasyJet as well, because I booked the flight and now it is against FCO guidelines to actually go out there and EasyJet are like yeah you know we can we can transfer the flight and no extra cost oh thank you EasyJet for that what that thing that you're legally obliged to do and you'll make out like you're doing me a solid and then you know and if you want you could have a, a voucher in return no I'll take the cash or a voucher no I'll have the cash EasyJet like, okay if you want the voucher you've got to ring up and maybe sit for four hours on the phone before we cut you off I'm like yeah no fuck I want the fucking money EasyJet you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call you Hard Jet. Yeah. So we'll start off with, uh, you know, quite a serious subject here. Well, quite, it couldn't be more serious. Anti-Semitism. So last week, the uh, grime artist, um, Wiley, Wiley MBE, the grandfather of grime, he had, uh, he had an outburst online of, well, just straight up anti-Semitic racism, really. I mean, it was, it was all the old favourites were there. The Jews control the music industry, the bank. The Jews are like the KKK. Everything, the Jews. Everything. I, I think, you know, in some weird way, I am kind of um, jealous of anti-Semitics because they always have someone to blame, don't they? Because they, they can connect anything negative to the Jewish community. It's, it's a bit like that um, game, you know, Seven Degrees of Separation with Kevin Bacon, where you can name any film and within seven moves maximum, you can get back to Kevin Bacon. That's what anti-Semites are like. They're just like, uh, uh, well, wait a minute, there's a problem in the world. Uh, we haven't got a vaccine. Vaccines because of underfunding. Jews run the banks, Jews. They just, it's astonishing, right? It's astonishing. And you know, like the Guardian being the guy, the Guardian have had an absolute howler this week, right? So first up, um, the Guardian News Twitter feed said that there were accusations of Wiley being anti-Semitic. I was like, no, he said all Jews are like the KKK. I don't think it's accusations. I think that is like exhibits A through Z, right? And then, and then uh, yesterday, as I record this, uh, Owen Jones wrote an article on racism 
And um, the picture, so they were talking about Wiley, and the picture was of another rapper, Kano. And this is what I love about The Guardian, right? They're the exact sort of people that would probably go around, that photo editor, probably claiming, like, yeah, I love my grime, man. I'm just so into, like, grime. I just think it's the most exciting form of UK music. Oh, really? Then maybe you'd know what the fuck rappers look like, for God's sake. But, yeah, I mean, what was the strange about Rob Wiley? It wasn't just what he was saying, but just how emboldened he felt to say it, you know? This is what I find weird about, like, racism on the... Uh, Racists on the far right, you see, they are, they're devious enough to pretend that they're not racist, right? Or smart enough, whatever you want to call it, right? They just pretend, no, 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 I'm not racist, yeah? Not racist, I just, whereas on the far left, they're so convinced they're the good guys, they don't even bother to pretend, because they still think that they're amazing people. And so they say this shocking anti-Semitic shit, and, and there are people that, that like this stuff openly, you know? I mean, Wiley said a lot of things that were uh, surprised. One of the things he said was, you know, I don't, he's already, he said before, is I, I don't think it's possible for black people to be racist. And well, God bless Wiley for like proving that a black person could be racist. I mean, he, I mean, it was almost like an exercise in philosophical thought, wasn't it? No, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little bit of kind of like modern performance art here where I'm actually going to disprove my own theory within the space of like two pissed up hours of me tweeting absolute fucking nonsense. I just don't I, I don't, I don't get like about anti-Semitism, like people that aren't convinced that it's happening. It's like, how much recent evidence do you need that where, you know, where this can go? Like, it's just, it's within living memory, the Holocaust, you know, but no, Jews are, Jews are privileged, Jews uh, get it all their own way, you know, to the Jews. Then another reaction was kind of like, well, hang on, Wiley's been hung out to drive in the space of an afternoon. This all seems to have happened a little bit quickly, doesn't it? I mean, you know, like if a white guy said this, um, I think he'd probably be knighted. Yeah, I know. I think if uh, I think if a white guy had said any of this, I think it would have been exactly the same, maybe worse. I think that if Ed Sheeran, <laughs> imagine that, Ed Sheeran just suddenly started popping off on a fucker. Like, uh, <laughs> An anti-Semitic rant, you know, or like, oh, you might say, well, Ed Sheeran's not a fair comparison because he's way more famous than Wiley. Who can? Oh, Felix from the Maccabees. <laughs> one day, yeah, you seen that, that rant by Felix from the Ma Maccabees? Yeah, do you see? Do you see old? Uh, although James Arthur, he's already got form, isn't he, with the old homophobia? But yeah, I, th I think uh, I think if anyone had gone on that kind of rant, I think that the uh, I think that the accusations, I think that you know, the reaction would have been very similar. Yeah, Wiley, the grandfather of grime. I mean, at the end of the day, maybe he's like all grandfathers. He just chats racist shit. Maybe <laughs> he's no different from any others sitting there going, I'll tell you something, boy. Those Jews. <sighs> you know, I I said stuff about the this latest anti-Semitic grime, but it's just not my style. I, I really hate having to point out really obvious. I don't think like, I'm not going on Twitter to say, hey man, racism is like bad. You shouldn't do this. This is bad. Do you see how bad this is? Because all it ever seems to be is like an insurance policy. Like you say those things because you're worried that if you don't say them, people will think that you're somehow complicit. You know, the old silence is violence. You go, look, just because those two words rhyme, that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Do you know what I mean? Whoever smelt it, dealt it. That is, that's not true, is it, either? I mean, that, I would say that, you know, like in 95% of occasions where um, I've smelt it, I wasn't the one that dealt it. <laughs> that, that is made up, isn't it? Like, whoever smelt it, dealt it. That was just made up. And because it rhymes, people are like, oh, my God, yeah, whoever smelt it, dealt it. Silence is violence. Uh, whoever denied it, supplied it. That is, that, I think there's probably more truth in the whoever denied it, supplied it one. <laughs> 
I think what is interesting, right, is that people on the far left wouldn't ever say anything. The difference between the far left and the far right, right, is that the far left, in terms of racism, wouldn't say anything bad about people of colour, black people, Asian people, Southeast Asian people, right? But they sort of agree with the far right on Jewish people. That is what is fascinating about this. There's this circle where you kind of go, hey, far left, far right, mm, sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S, get a room. Okay, just a quick hype coming up here. I was a bit loud there, wasn't I? Shut up, Jeff. Why are you shouting? Um, five pound, patrons. I went for three ladies this time. Laura Halliday, just Claire, and Carolyn Sharp. A little three-piece, I think, there, from the late 90s. Kind of like uh, Atomic Kitten without the like psychological issues. <laughs> Halliday, Halliday, Claire, and Sharp. They'd have probably, like, given how 90s girl bands were at the time, that their, uh, their name would have been called, like... The sharp end, or something like that, and then there would have been the little rivalries. Like, why does it have to be her fucking name? Do you know what I mean? Why couldn't it be called like Take a Holiday, like Take a Holiday? And then one word, Claire, would just be like a bit above it all. Like, you guys, man, I'm gonna do a solo career here now, and I'm gonna do something with Dane Bowers. So fuck all of you. Um, Front Room Fringe is sold out now on the sixth and seventh, which is the third day, first day, third day. That is the third day. I sound a bit like someone to from the fans there, don't I? That'll be about 30, yeah, but about two months hence. Um, uh, the Thursday and Friday have sold out. The 8th of August, the Saturday, does have tickets. So, um, but that, you know, it's pretty full as it is. Um, but I get them while they're there. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Practicing every day, sitting in my front room with my green screen. I've invested for this shit. Don't you worry about that. Got kitted out. My wife, for once, I've had more Amazon shit arriving than my wife. She's like, oh, is that box of No, it's not for you, actually, on this occasion. It's a little box of me. Oh, yeah, it's a little, another little gadget. <laughs> but, you know, I got a bit carried away with it, like with the, with the kit that I need for this. I can't justify some of the stuff that it's got. The green screen I've got is way too big. You could probably, like, reshoot the Phantom Menace using this thing. Um, revised tour dates. So the live tour, Taking Liberties, which was due to resume in the, order, or the, the autumn. Now, all these other comedians you see, they're all like, oh, we're moving back to 2021. I'm like, you know what, pussies? I'm going to keep my dates this year. Now, there is a reason for that. A lot of those other tours are very big tours and they've got to move a whole bunch of dates, whereas I only had around 10 left. Um, so we're going to try and honour them. You remember they were already moved in April? That's just a ball like in it, moving them again. So we're going to try and do them. Unfortunately, a couple of dates can't happen, which is uh, the one at Bath Festival. Uh, they're moving the whole festival to next year. So if you could hold on to tickets for that, that would be great and we'll be in touch with a new date. Uh, Manchester Dance House, they're using this time to have a little refurb. So again, we'll have a date for that in 2021. And uh, or Exeter, the Northcott Theatre, which I understand is just shut for the rest of the year, but hopefully going to reopen in 2021. In all those cases, please hold on to the tickets. Go on, do me a favour. Don't ask for the refunds. Little old Jeff, got to feed his little four-year-old boy there. You know, I've got to keep him supplied with chewits. He doesn't eat chewits. That was the only food that came into my head there. And they still make them? Probably renamed them, aren't they? Something funky, like uh, slang, like something like uh, chisel bops. (laughs) And 
endorsed by Snoop. Um, <clears throat> with the tour dates, uh, the ones that have been revised, they were already sent out and stuff. But if you want to have another look, just to double check when yours is, it is on, if you just search Jeff Norcott Live Nation, basically. If you go to the Live Nation website, look at all the tour dates there. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know how much will be open. We might have to have, these might have to be socially distanced. I might have to be wearing a fucking welder's mask. Use like my, might have to be facing the wall like the end of Blair Witch Project. But somehow, we're going to do it, because that's what we're made of. It's going to be like Dunkirk. We'll meet again. Okay, next subject. Obesity, right? Obesity. So we all know, we all kind of knew this. I know people say, oh, the reason that Britain has suffered so badly from COVID is because the Tories are incompetent. You go, yeah, there's been a bit of that. I think our fatness has definitely... Um, Definitely been an issue. So it was always on the cards that government were going to try and come up with some measures to mitigate uh, the lardy ass nature of Britain, right? Um, but what are they going to do? You know, are they going to do something direct? You know, are they going to get in people's faces about their weight, right? Or are they going to do the usual trick of tweaking a little tax here and there, maybe playing clothes bullshit. Well, of course, you know already what they're going to do. Governments, modern governments, doesn't matter if they're left or right. They just, they're, they're pussies. They have, no, they have no balls to confront the public with the impact of, of their behaviour, right? You know, like, I, I think that that's the only thing. Like, it's not changing people's behaviours, is it? If you just say, oh, well, we've moved. Instead of the Maltesers being by the kiosk at the petrol station, now they're by the bog. Oh, great. Well, eventually I'm just going to work out where they are and I'm going to go and get some on my way to the toilet. I'm going to actually eat them in the toilet and then come out feeling ashamed and pay for them, pay for the empty box. Have you ever done that? You ever got some food and just paid for the empty box? That's, uh, yeah, I've been low when it comes to food. But look, um, <clears throat> the government, they, they won't do it. What, what you really need, right? There, there, was one, there was one area which I thought was smart of them was they were going to do a campaign about the amount of uh, calories in alcohol. Because as we know, most people don't realise how much calorie, calories are in alcohol, particularly the ladies with their little fizzy sweet fucking milkshake things that they drink, you know. Um, but that's what I would do. I would I would do an advert and I'd make it hard hitting. So I'd have a woman, like she's just, she just like she's got like a little champagne flute. Or whatever. What's the current drink? Aperol spritz or something like that, right? Full of sugar. And then as as she's putting it to her mouth, it becomes a Mars bar, right? And then she you show her across the several hours drinking those, just eating eight Mars bars. And then you go, would you eat eight Mars bars on a night out? And then some of the people like me think, well, if I was stoned, but would you eat? And then you just show it. And then it cuts back to a woman and she's like fucking huge, right? And I know, look, this is disgusting, but I'm just saying, either intervene with human behavior in a way that makes a difference or just butt out. Don't do this, this pussyfooting around the edges. Get stuck in. Like it's like with blokes, you know, drinking pints. Just show a bloke every time he, he, he pulls a pint up to his mouth, it's a cheeseburger. I think that's roughly the same calories, isn't it? From McDonald's, they're not—they're not very high calorie. Just get eating a cheeseburger, and then you just see him getting winched out of the pub. <laughs> uh, look, am I being harsh here? I just—I'm just getting annoyed. This isn't a great time for libertarians, is it? It's not a great time for libertarians. There's just more and more strictures on what we do as people, and I—and I, you know, I kind of accept that some of that needs to happen. But when it's as meaningless as some of the jests, you know, like no junk food after advertised until 9pm, you know, come off it, man, like, the, my generation as well, we're at the most shit of any generation, we're, we're kind of worried, we're so, I'm so worried about the kids now, really, look at the shit we're at, how much fucking horse meat was in our frozen lasagnas, you know what I mean, 
we're eating those like do you know those pizzas with just like a bit of bread and tomato smeared on it and like two like flakes of grated cheese that we ate some shit food and now we're kind of acting like oh now now's the worst time for food we just people got to be better parents you know what i don't get as well why like you see people out and about now you know, they see a lot more bigger people going for runs and jogging and stuff like that. And it's great that, you know, they're, they're thinking about their health. Why did it take a global pandemic for that to happen? That's what I want to know. Why, like, this thing that ultimately, statistically, is, you know, it's very, 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 very unlikely to cause you any serious problems in your life, right? Even if you're older, even if you've got underlying health problems, right? I don't know if you saw there was a stat out this week when they showed the disparity between the public's perceptions of uh, British mortality versus reality. Like a lot of people, on average, people think 7% of the UK population has died because of COVID. <laughs> what would 7% even be? That would be, so wait a minute, 67 million would be 10 6. That would mean like uh, about 5.5 million people were dead. So, you know, people are going out jogging now. What I don't know is why... Um, when they went to the doctors, why, why though, you know, when they were told they were morbidly obese then, why didn't that have an impact when the doctor was going, oh, this is going to put pressure on, you know, your uh, major organs, uh, your heart, your kidneys, you know, just everything is going to make everything worse. Now, okay, that's fine. That doesn't relate to me. And then suddenly this abstract uh, pandemic comes into view and they're like, oh, shit, fucking, then they're pounding the streets. I Look, I, this is probably, this is probably one of the most testy things I've said. I mean, I, I sound angry. This is, I'm, I'm speaking to a person as well that is currently just oscillating wildly between 13 stone and 14 stone, right? And I'm angry at myself because the thing is, it's because of me. It's because of my behaviours, right? Every time I lose a bit of weight, right? I think, oh, great, I can add some extra meals back in. I don't know why I forget this. And then I get fatter again. But it's all me. Do you know what I mean? It's not It's not because of where they're putting the food. I make choices. I get up in the middle of the night and I go back downstairs and I have another giant oat and raisin cookie. You know why? Because I like how it tastes in my mouth. You know, calorie count on food. The other thing as well is, right, when it comes to food, a lot of fast food isn't as calorific as people think. Like, you look at, uh, you take uh, my my uh, poison of choice, right, the two-piece chicken variety meal from KFC, 750 calories. That's two pieces of chicken and chips, right? You, you're telling me, when, when you go to those restaurant meals, you go, you know, you have, like, the, the kind of olives and the bread, and then you have the fucking scallops or whatever, and then you have, like, the shank of lamb, and then you like have the, uh, what's everyone always have, tiramisu or whatever, all in. Now, I know that there'll be more nutrition in those things, but all in, you're talking a lot more calories, right? A lot more salt, a lot more fat, but no, it's because middle class people, no, but those, those are good calories, you know. Jesus, poor people have got to eat too, as well. Poor people, do you remember, this is why, it was funny this week, because Jamie Oliver got a bit of a backlash, because once again, he was telling off the nation for their weight. And yeah, he's, a, he's on the big side himself as well at the moment, which is a little bit rich, but... A lot of people didn't want to lose turkey twizzlers. You know, turkey twizzlers were a stand in the culture war, okay? It wasn't, no one's saying they were good for you. No one's saying anybody wants to be eating beak, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'd rather, I, can I just make the decision, please, on turkey twizzlers myself, right? It's not morally worse to eat an animal's beak than it is, like, its ass muscle. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, you know, like, and then you had schools where they were replacing cheap snacks with like, you know, teenage kids do not want to pay £3 for a salad with a nice vinaigrette, you know? And those little 30p cakes and slices of pizza, they were gone overnight suddenly, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like you're fucking dining at the expensive restaurant place, he said, without being named. The Amalfi Coast, that was what I was trying to think of. Um, 
but yeah, look, I like I like feeling full. That, that's the thing I've got to deal with. I like when I eat. I like to feel full. I like to eat consistently throughout the day. I get a bit sad when I've had my last meal of the day. That's weird, isn't it? Like I genuinely, I try and like if my wife does dinner particularly early, I'm like uh, I try and like kill time because I'm like. Yeah, but then I'll have to be awake from half six till 10 p.m. without being able to eat food, and that makes me sad. I, I mean, the, you know, the other the other thing that they they need to be direct about is the effects of obesity, right? Um, type 2 diabetes costs the NHS, I think, about between 6 and 12 billion. Some people think more, right? So that's a, we need to Brexit from fatness. That's what we need to do. Sell it, sell it on that way. It's time. Take back control. Brexit from obesity. Okay, we had a few letters this week. Who's the first one we've got? This is from uh, Simon. He said, I am impressed that you have guests on that might rankle your listeners, like Marcus can do. Uh, respectful debate is healthy, and I don't want to live in an echo chamber where you only talk to like-minded people, so credit for taking the inverted commas risk of annoying your fans. But I do wonder if such courtesy is extended the other way. Are you ever invited on any pro-EU shows? Well, like the Mash Report. <laughs> Um, or podcasts and able to present your views in such an accommodating fashion as you afforded Marcus, ideally without the standard put-downs. I have the feeling that courtesy is somewhat lacking in the other direction, but happy to hear otherwise. Um, yeah, well, Simon, look, I, I'm glad, you know, addressed the show with Marcus. Like, people liked it. It was it was tense, you know what I mean? Like, we both felt a bit tense um, recording it. And some people think, you know, I didn't challenge everything that Marcus said, but I suppose when I'm, you know, it's a courtesy thing. I'm bringing somebody on a podcast. You know, he challenged me with things he said. The stuff he said about Putin and Trump was something that I do have difficulties with. So, so yes, yeah, I'm not going to bring up someone on and then just lever them for their views. You know, I thought he was, I thought he was incredibly, like, honest. You know, the thing about Marcus, right, is he's just willing to say things that other comedians wouldn't. So he's willing to say something, even if he knows that it portrays him as the ultimate kind of liberal elite. Whereas other comedians probably think the same as him, but they wouldn't have the balls to say it. So I say that uh, in his favour. To address your question, Simon, yeah, I don't really get invited on other podcasts as much. I mean, there aren't as, you know, a, not... A, there's not that many comedians like engaging in podcasts that are pro EU and stuff like that. But there's kind of like a circuit with podcasts, you know, the chat ones, and you see the same people cropping up on the same ones. And it's fair to say that people haven't been banging down my door, you know, to have me on uh, because they're worried. This is the same worry that people have with political comedy generally, is they think, oh, they presume that their listenership is A, has the same political views they do, and B, isn't capable of. Uh, I mean, the other thing they might just think I'm. <laughs> might not think I'm funny and they might think I'm a prick, which is, you know, perfectly possible. But yeah, they make decisions about their audience and what their audience can handle and they don't want to get in trouble. So yeah, you know, I took a, a risk with Marcus, but um, I'm going to do do it again because I think that, you know, was, I, I know that we had that thing where echo chambers suddenly became, people became aware of them, then people tried to get outside of them, and then it feels like now people are going back to them, whereas I'm always going to try and get outside that echo chamber. And, um, you know, if there's anyone listening that wants me on your little whimsical podcast about fucking you know your top 10 favorite gins then uh give me a shout what most people think okay next letter is from ar right i do find it extraordinary that sensible reasonable debate and dialectic in this country is not being so sorry i've taken a chunk of this guy's letter so what he's basically saying is that sensible reasonable debate isn't happening in the mainstream right and it's actually being driven by comedians like me andrew doyle the trigonometry boys i.e uh constantine kissing and francis foster and he's now happy to add marcus to that list which is great right you're a brexit person but you think marcus is engaging in dialogue this is part of the point um he also says 
I think I just jumped into this story at a weird point. Hopefully you're still with me. Uh, finally, I thought his story about the producer on The Now Show. Uh, so this was Marcus told a story about a routine he'd written and the then producer on The Now Show said, this only works if everyone thinks the way you do. Uh, so this letter suggested that was, you know, extremely pertinent and, and a good thing that uh, producers are, you know, should be doing. Does it happen um, in comedy as much as that? No. I know, I think I know the producer in question. And he's quite forthright in his opinions but yeah the truth is you know overwhelmingly in tv production i mean i've said it before i've worked on all sorts of satirical shows either being on them or 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 writing on them and i have never ever met someone on the production team that's all the way from producers uh assistant producers directors runners anything who is openly right of center or leave right now it's not to say they don't exist as i say but but if they, you know, if they don't, that's bad. If they do and they're not willing to admit it, that's also bad, you know. Uh, he also makes the point here in this letter, he's put, just put his name as AR, so I don't know uh, what that means. Um, could mean like, Ari? <laughs> I'm a bit hungover today. If some of my attempts at ad-libs haven't landed, could you please just excuse that? One, I'm hungover and I'm recording this at the top of my house and it's just, it's Thursday afternoon, it's getting really hot. I'm starting to really fucking blow out of my ass. Um, and yeah, he also makes the point that Marx's question to me about Putin and Trump only makes sense if you, you're totally against Putin and Trump. Now, look, I don't like Putin and Trump, so the question did make sense to me, but I take your point more widely. And yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that there is a big gap in the market for two sides, guys from the other sides of the tracks just getting together you know, like that, like that football match in the First World War. You know, one we just had a little kick about, and uh, you know, and then just you know, the moment's finished. We're we're back to trying to shoot each other in the face. Okay, what's the next layer we've got here? Hi, Jeff. Can you explain to me? Oh, this is what I was addressing early on. Uh, your argument against wearing masks. Uh, to me, it's just a sensible thing to do with a disease like wearing a condom in the eighties. And as with AIDS, it's at least as much to protect yourself as others around you. Um, I don't know what kind of sex life you have. We're just spraying it fucking everywhere in the 80s. Is that it? Get on your new romantic. <laughs> this means nothing to me. Just fucking jizzing in public. What, what's going on? I, I do slightly take issue with, with, you know, an airborne disease and AIDS. Like, there was, there was an obvious read. Like, there was an obvious risk of a lot of things, you know, wearing, uh, not wearing a condom. You know, if you talk about the numbers game involved. So I, I do take exception to that. But... The question, sorry, the, the um, Graham goes on to say, is it because you're being told to do something? Um, yeah, yeah, it is, Graham, it is. And also, this is the other thing, Graham, is we're now given an, a power to a lot of people that, that aren't trained in how to exhibit power. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean. You go in the shops, there's some people that are really cool about it, but there's some people that this is their whole life. They've become like the community support officers of retail, haven't they? They can't wait for somebody to come in who's just momentarily forgotten to put some fucking condom on their face, like, <laughs> and they go, um, excuse me, excuse me, it's for, it's for your benefit as much as I, it's, it's that little tone that they do, the kind of holier than now, sanctimonious thing, and yeah, I just hate being told what to do, I hate being told what to do, I was on a set of a production the other day, and somebody uh, pointed out that they, that my mask had fallen below my nose, and I just was really like, why does this person get to tell me what to do, I don't know being told what to do, I hate it, my wife will tell you, like, in arguments and, and stuff, I, so much of the dispute between us just comes from I can't being, I can't stand being taken to task. Like weirdly, I can stand being insulted. Do you know what I mean? People just lever me all day long on online, 
if I get told off, especially if it's done in a high-handed way, uh, just a little note, uh, I just didn't think that was cool. I'd rather someone call me a twat than kind of take uh, the moral high ground with me. But look, Graham, one of the reasons I say stuff like this is because I think um, I think a lot of people think it, right? It's called what most people think. And I think maybe the way for people to honour the mask thing is just to let them be wound up about it, right? You don't have to, like, you don't have to believe in it as a way of life. And come on, you must have had that thing already where you've gone to the shop and last minute you realise you've forgotten the mask. It's just another thing to remember. I'm 43. Do you know what I mean? I'm forgetting parts of my own childhood, let alone bunging some surgical mask in my thing. And like I say, I just, it makes me feel hot. I don't like it. It steams up my glasses. Okay, just a little bit of men's mental health here, as it occurs to me, and not in any way to just make sure the podcast comes in over half an hour. Um, but it, it does I mean something I've been thinking about, like, um, you know, job losses and stuff like that. And we're all starting to see the effects feeding through to our different jobs and, you know, a lot of people. Obviously, my game is a, is a bit different. It was already straight away it was an issue, but I've done my best to kind of stay busy. Um, but some of my pals are having that now. And I was thinking about us men. You know what we're like. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're worried about this, especially if you're the breadwinner, right? Winning that bread. Did you win some bread this week? Yeah, I did. It was good bread as well. It was fucking King's Mill, man. Boom. There you go. Oh, some tiger bread because, you know, I've had a really good week. Um, yeah, so you, you hear these things circulating, you know, and you hear orders getting cancelled and it's worrying, right? And it builds up in the background. This thing about blokes, we just don't... It's like when things are wrong with our body. I've currently got, like, this lump on my wrist. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not cancerous, but I've just kind of... I'm just hoping it'll go away. I think that's a great strategy. Um, <laughs> I just really... I think it will. Just a mental, like, force of power. Just please, please, lump, go. Please, go. <laughs> You know, they say you can get anything with positive uh, thinking, but it's mainly, I think it's an RSI thing from my... Now Now clearly he's, he's in self-doubt, trying to reassure himself. Suck my thumb. Um, but yeah, I think we, we clock the economic uh, clouds gathering, right? And I think, it, I think it raises our stress level, you know? I think that you never know, right? Our blood pressure has probably gone up a little bit, hasn't it? And you just... Those little things start to get to you. And the thing about men, we don't, we don't just kind of sit down, do we, with, uh, with our missus or our mister... 2014 guys come on uh, and say uh we don't just say look you know what i'm a bit uptight and I, I'm, I'm worried about the money thing i'm worried that i won't have a job and therefore if i don't have a job i won't be able to provide if i can't provide i have no self-respect and within about 10 weeks babe i'm gonna be locked in my own room uh just pissing in bottles and kind of defecating up the wall <laughs> Now, look, that might be a bit of an extreme example of a certain brand of catastrophization that maybe I enter into. But but just just clock it. Do you know what I mean? Clock it. Well, you know what women like? They, they hate being kept out in the cold. That's the worst thing. When there's something wrong and they know something's wrong and you're just like, no, no, fine, fine. And no, 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 you're all right, man. Yeah, fine, yeah, fine. Absolutely fine. I'm just going out for a walk again. Third time today. Another hour walk. Because that's how fine it is. I'm going for walks all the time alone. Um, is to, yeah, just think it through and think, am, am I more worried about this than I'm letting on? Because what will happen, right, is if you let it build up, it will just come out in a weird way, yeah? You and the missus will be like, for the first time in ages, you'll have, you know, the kids with the mother-in-law, you've gone down to the coast or something, <laughs> just something weird happens, right? Like, you get an ice cream, you go, I'll just have a single cone with a flake. She gets double cone with a flake. You're like, double cone with a fucking flake? What do you think of a fucking moon of money? You're not seeing the fucking economic figures. <laughs> And then the, the poor woman's like, what is going on here? Why is he pissed off about a double cone with a flake? He, he just bought some new, 
He just bought a new green screen for his studio to prick. Um, and that's what happens, right? So the best thing is to do is if you have weird dreams, you know, like those weird kind of anxiety dreams about like uh, maybe they're about bread. You know what I mean? You're in a, you're in a competition who can win the most bread and you just got no bread. You've got like Rovitas trying to feed trying to feed your family with fucking Rovitas. So just talk about it. Because the only way that a bad situation could be made worse is if you just keep her in the dark or him in the dark or, you know, it, she, him, her, right? And, um, and yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that we're not good at that. I think we, we let it get to the point and we do something stupid. And then, you know, it'll either be that you'll kick off about the ice cream or you'll just put just like 700 quid on a bet. Like, <laughs> you won't even know what made you do it. You just come out and just... Just wanted to feel alive. I wanted money and feel alive. Risk made me feel alive. And then, um, look, but just, uh, you know, guys, keep talking, man. Because uh, as men, sometimes we get... <laughs> this has gone on way longer than it needs to. But you get the fucking drift. If you're stressed out about money, talk about money. And then, if she says, like, fuck you, just earn the money and shut up, then, yeah, then maybe internalise it and just elect to have hernias instead. Have so many hernias that your stomach ends up looking like a little rock face that people could climb. How about that? What a lovely finish. Okay, so that is the end of uh, this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for being a patron. I'll tell you something to the patrons. If you want to sign up for bonus exclusive content, uh, online new material gigs, early heads up. for uh, they, uh, The Patreon and the mailing list got all the early bird tickets, uh, mostly for the Front Room Fringe. You know, you could pay either three, five or ten pounds. And it is keeping the podcast weekly and ad-free. Because I'll tell you something... Hung over today, hot, <laughs> busy. I, I, if this had been pre-Patreon, I would have gone, fuck that, am I doing the podcast today? But um, I'm glad I did. I think it might have been a bit random. I'm a bit random. Uh, a bit all over the show, but um, hopefully you bear with me. Bored with me? Bared with me? Uh, or you were bored with me. Uh, reviews, uh, before we do that, um, £3 patrons, big shout out. Nick Burkett. Cool name, Nick. Hey, do you know Nick Burkett? I bet, I bet he's one of those guys in the year above you at school, Nick Burkett. First guy to do, like, skateboarding well. Um, Robert Cooper. Coops. Coops is his little mate, his little sidekick. Old Coops. He uh, never did quite as well with the women, old Coops, but uh, he's a millionaire now. <laughs> and Nick Burkett is actually quite sad. Like, he just stuck with the um, skateboarding thing way too long. Like, he's, he's still got long hair, it's not, and it's not even because of lockdown. And then, uh, actually, my friend, who... who, who um, Gives me money on the Patreon. Jeffrey Williams, a good friend of mine. And I thought I'd shout him out. He's, uh, he's Australian. And um, it's been great when there's been cricket on. And we've done well to give him shit. And, and he has been... Well, he's been more courteous in return than I have been to him. Like when Australia won 5-0, he was very um, magnanimous about it. And yet when we... When Stokesy did what he did at Headingley, you better believe I was laughing my ass off. So but thank you for the support nonetheless. Just do the reviews, as ever. If you give me a five-star review on iTunes, I will read it out. I'll read them all out. And I say all, and by all, I mean one this week. That was a bit embarrassing. Uh, Good podcast. This is five stars. I'm getting a good. Uh, This is from RHF272. A good podcast. Initially, I was a bit shocked at some of the things Jeff says. You don't get this kind of directness in the mainstream media or from politics. So it can be a bit uncomfortable, as we're conditioned as a society to not question things at the risk of censure. Once you get past that, it's thought-provoking and downright funny. Refreshing to hear a voice that is willing to listen to opposing political views rather than just shutting them down. And he has a likeable everyman quality that is as funny as it is entertaining. Standard in news reviews to say whilst I may disagree with his views, presumably in case these reviews are being monitored. 
Um, but finding I agree, disagree with him, less than I used to. Oh, you've started it. Whoever you are, you've started the lurch to the right. This is what's going to happen first. First up, you'll be saying stuff like that. Then you'll be saying, oh, I think people who litter should be kept in stocks and chains. And after that, you'll be going, do we really need tax? And then it goes even worse than that. You'll be going, these fucking scroungers, they just come and... Uh, I, th- I think they should have to pick litter. I think that's what we should do. They should have to pick litter instead of claiming benefits. And we should, pro- should probably sterilise some of them. Well, 